When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. From Variety, celebrating more than 115 years covering the business of entertainment, this is the Award Circuit Podcast. The Shining as a comedy. I mean, that's just something you don't ever think of. And she actually coined this phrase that she wanted to be a shitcom. <laughs> that's what she would say. Friend star Courtney Cox has a pretty good track record when it comes to selecting projects, and she was immediately drawn to the Stars series Shining Veil, particularly after hearing the pitch from co-creator Sharon Horgan. I'm Michael Schneider, and on this episode of the Variety Award Circuit Podcast, we talk to Courtney Cox about Shining Vale, as well as if we'll see more of her in the Scream franchise and what she's rooting for this Emmy season. But first, our Award Circuit Roundtable is back and discussing this year's Emmy submissions and what is or isn't there as nomination voting winds down this Monday. It's all next on this edition of the Variety Award Circuit Podcast. Stay close. All right. Well, hi, everyone. It is Michael Schneider, along with Emily Longaretta, Jazz Tank K, and Clayton Davis. It is almost time to put down those pencils. Voting is almost up. So hope you're making your smart decisions now. Uh, can they go back and change their votes? Or <laughs> I don't, like after, yeah. after listening to this podcast, like people yeah. will be like, you know what? Clayton was right. Yeah. And you should give uh, after party everything. Uh, no, yeah, I think um, I. I don't know what the beat. It's really hard to get a beat on this because obviously there's just so much, uh, so many voters. But also, it's really noisy. It's so noisy right now, and it's so hard to decipher like what is actually uh, contending and, and what isn't. But I will say, uh, now that we've seen the ballots, these record number of submissions is killing me and it's just so many yeah a lot. and w- one thing that petrifies me is that because of an error in judgment i think we're gonna have this is us leave this world without a directing or writing nomination which would be god awful that's really sad seven episode submissions for directing is pretty like is harsh <laughs> It's harsh. I mean, if, if anything is going to be the finale, that's the best shot it has. But something I noticed, and Mike, I think you'll be able to speak to this better than I can. When actors direct things, I think networks and studios need to have some tough conversations about it and say, not everyone needs to submit for Emmys. It's okay that some just sit it out. Well, I mean, 
but there's egos. Remember egos? Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's got one. Yeah. And, and you want to be the one actor who directed an episode who doesn't submit? Um, that's <laughs> never going to happen. <laughs> we we kind of know that name of someone that, that's in that uh, boat. But yeah, like it's just... Like even Better Call Saul, by the way, which but it, they chose some really great episodes. But seven episodes again, it's gotten one directing nomination over its entire run, and I don't even know which one to coalesce around. I mean, I guess you go for the Vince Gilligan one. That's a safe bet. Yeah, I mean, it goes back to what we talked about last week: is maybe they just need to consolidate all directors into one award um but i don't know if that's the answer either since every episode's different every skill level is different but at least maybe it's a little more fair to get more shows in there and then all of the season's directors or all the i mean do you do that with writers as well maybe just all the season's writers also get a nomination for a body of work as opposed to individual episodes I mean, I, know, I, I always go back to that one episode of Stranger Things in season two that has Eleven going off to meet people. And I right. would never want to award that episode. <laughs> and that, that person gets that Emmy alongside everyone else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, but also well, just... It, okay, and it's like if you're... Sorry, if you're giving a writing for a whole season, isn't that kind of giving the like best drama? Best drama. Isn't that the same? Like, that's kind of the same kind of thing because you're saying like the best writing in a drama. So... yeah. I mean, also, by the, by the way, direct, the directing drama, there were 231 submissions, nine short of us getting eight nominees. We're going to have seven. And that's like, un- and listen, six of them could be, be succession, which would be a travesty. Not that succession's bad, but that would just say you, you don't watch things anymore. We are just voting for one, that one show you saw this year. Well, what else? Because uh, I feel like we're, we're kind of repeating a little bit what we talked about last Are week. We, oh, everything's blending what? together. I don't, I don't <laughs> know what, what's the same anymore. What were some of your other big, uh, uh, and I'll talk about it too. Maybe we can all kind of go around and, and what surprised you from the ballots and, and uh, maybe what changed your mind about something. Um, well, I'm, I'm going to let Emily take this one. We have, we're going to have six reality competition nominees because it crossed the threshold of 80 and that's a really hot race. That's a really big deal. I'm actually pretty excited about it. I feel like there is... I know that The Amazing Race, and I know Mike is such a supporter, yeah. as am I. <laughs> I, I Tar forever. I absolutely love Amazing Race. I go back and watch old seasons because it like makes me feel good. So like I totally agree with you, but... I think there's just room for something else to, to slip in there um, for competition, which I think is always nice, even if Amazing Race still wins. But I, I, I would assume that RuPaul or Amazing Race will be still taking right, it home. Right, right. But you're right. We definitely need more fresh blood in that category. And one show it won't be, it won't be Is It Cake because they didn't submit Is It Cake. <sighs> what? I know. I- I don't get it. I don't understand what, like, what. So maybe Clay and you can say this. Like, it's going what? Oscar. It's going Oscar. That's what it is. They chose the Oscar <laughs> route. <laughs> but like, what goes into the why? Why decide not to? I mean, I was it, gonna it, say it's it's going Nobel. I, I think I think just straight <laughs> straight peace prize. But it's way too big for the yeah. Emmys. Um, no, I actually I listen. There, there's always various factors. Like, first of all, it should be noted that. Like, 
because this is Netflix, this is interesting. Like sex, sex education wasn't on the ballot. Then I started doing some digging around, found out it's going international Emmys. But also what people tend to forget is that not the networks, networks are not the only ones that submit. People submit themselves. So that's the case I can see with On My Block, which isn't in the comedy category, which, by the way, it's not a comedy. Just want to point that out. On My Block was never funny, <laughs> like ever, ever was funny. But all the actors are submitted. So I don't know if that was Netflix submitting them or them submitting themselves because that can happen. So Is It Cake might have been like, hey, maybe it's too much like, you know, all the other baking shows that are in that category and we're just going to opt not to do it. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. If, if you're Netflix, you're like, well, we have nailed it, which is also about people making cakes and we don't want to damage nailed its chance of getting in the competition category. So sorry is a cake, but, um, you know, be- best of luck, you know, trying for a Peabody instead. <laughs> there's a, And there's always the Witcher on top of that. But um, uh, other things I had noticed, what moved from Variety uh, Sketch um, to hosted nonfiction, how, how to with John Wilson and painting with John moved to that category, and they were in Variety Sketch last year. Which, That's interesting. That is yeah. very interesting. Which now it goes up against Stanley Tucci searching for Italy, uh, Vice, somebody feed Phil, and Problem with John Stewart and Sketchbook and all those, uh, and Diners, Drivers, and Dives. By the way, because you always <laughs> you, you always need a good road show in there, but qu- quietly. A really hot race that I noticed, animated series. So, like, we have Big Mouth, we have Arcane, we have Simpsons, Bob Burger, Central Park, South Park, Rick and Morty, the countdown to Trump's reinstatement, tuning out the news ratings grab, uh, Steve, Stephen Colbert, Archer is always a, a, a fan favorite. And then you have, like, some new stuff like The Great North, you know, Family Guy could come back, American Dad could come back. Star Trek can, you know, make uh, Joe Otterson a happy man on this earth. You know, there, there's a lot of uh, good uh, cartoons this year. And then what if Marvel? What if Marvel just starts showing up everywhere? Yeah. Well, you know, uh, on that tip, actually, the, the category I'm really interested in this year, especially is outstanding character voiceover performance. Because mm. this is the first year that rather than submitting your entire body of work, you know, Simpsons actors submitting for every character they do, uh, you just submit one character. So most of the Simpsons actors actually decided to just stick with one. Hank Azaria, for example, just submitted Cletus. And, and uh, you know, Dan Castellaneta obviously just submitted Homer. Uh, but then you do have a couple of people who submitted twice. Uh, Amy Poehler submitted for her two different characters on Duncanville, for example. And, um, uh, yeah, and, and then also this category is interesting because it's not just cartoon uh, voiceovers, but it's also uh, narration. So you've got Julie Andrews as Lady Whistledown in Bridgerton, for example. And, uh, you know, you've got folks like that. So it's a, it's a really interesting category, especially this year. Can we give a shout out to, sorry to interrupt, Mike. Can we give a shout out to Chadwick Boseman, though? Because he. Yeah, I was about to mention they, that. Like, they submitted his work for his episode in What If, and he would be seriously recognized if. Yeah, there's a lot of posthumous, uh, you know, people in the running. Norm MacDonald can get his nomination this year for his stand up special on Netflix, which I think is going to happen. Um, I am really looking forward to Variety Special Live that. 
has to go to the halftime show of the Super Bowl. Like, I won't have anything else. Like, it was made for our generation. It was made for us. It's the best thing that that was live this year. There's nothing that compares. And they have to bring they have to they have to bring Fifty Cent in upside down again when it wins on the stage. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I know it's it's it might be shocking to a lot many of you, but Fifty Cent is is one of my top one of my top favorites. So, and I'm not being sarcastic. I'm being dead serious. So I'm a huge fan of that. Excuse me. Dir- Directing drama contender Fifty Cent because he's submitted. <laughs> Thousand percent. But you know what? Ha- when when Fifty Cent is upside down, he's only a nickel. Oh no! Oh my gosh, Mike! I God. knew it was coming. I could see it on your face. I knew it was coming. <laughs> I had to get it right in. Because <laughs> see, oh. it's five cents. When Fifty is upside down, it's five. Okay, you guys. Uh, got it. Okay. Uh, oh my goodness! If, if, if anyone is hearing that scream, that's Kate Arthur quitting right now. Because Kate <laughs> Arthur is the most personally affected by Mike by Mike's dad jokes. It's it's hilarious. Um. One thing I, I do want to point out that really uh, surprised me was the SNL submissions for guest actor. Did we talk about that last week or my? No, no, because we didn't have the uh, submissions yet when we talked. Yeah. So. Oh, good. Uh, so, so w- w- traditionally, um, they. Oh, never mind. All right, talk amongst yourselves for a second while I pull this up. It's taking a second. All right. Well, well, you're, no, we're going to say we're- go for it, Emily. No, I was thinking, I think that something that you had said before, Clay, and you had told us is that, you know, there was such a lack of women being nominated and women hosting in general on SNL. So I feel like I'm hoping that that will change this year because, I mean, I think that there's a way that Selena Gomez slash Kim Kardashian could pull in a nomination or even maybe even Natasha Lyonne. Um, I'm curious how what they submitted and how many, but um, I think that that would be pretty exciting to see. So Selena Gomez did not uh, submit for SNL, which it, also interesting. Neither did Natasha Leone, who closed out the season. Oh wow! And that was a really great episode. I thought. Yeah, I, I wonder. Do you do you think those are cases of people just not wanting to perhaps uh, impact their best actress uh, chances, and and maybe it confuses things if you're on a ballot in another category and you just don't want to, maybe you're superstitious about it or, or maybe you just don't want to, you know, have that possibility of, of canceling yourself out. Uh, well, I am not superstitious, but I am a little stitious. That's a great, uh, office line. I just wanted to say it out <laughs> loud. Um, I, I mean, if any, I, back in the old days, I, I think it would have hurt you, but now that, people are watching such few things i think the more the merit natasha still submitted for directing russian doll like just just like go for like matthew cherry has three no four directing submissions across drama comedy and limited series this year like i I think i think you just go for it it just is what it is now so what do you think is it i mean who else was omitted? I mean, like, was were the we know that there were some really great men in the running too. I'm curious, were they ones we talked about? Oscar Isaac, I think, was a big one. No, Oscar Isaac is not there. Jared Carmichael is. And I think he's probably the best bet to get in. Um, and then Jason Sudeikis was on there. Uh, Mulaney, uh, no Simu Lu. Which I thought was like, you know, what I mean, kind of whatever. But like Lizzo got submitted, Ariana DeBose, and Lizzo's gonna get a lot of nominations. I think she's getting in for um, Watch Out for the Big Girls. 
And I think she might get in for guests because I just feel like she's like everywhere right now in a good way, you know? So I just think it's going to be um, a good day for her. Um, also, uh, And then there's just like, I'm looking here. Roy Wood Jr., by the way, got submitted for Only Murders in the Building. I just want to point that out, that that's incredible, and I just want it. Um, oh, yeah, Jason Day gets to get in, they get submitted for there. And I don't see anyone else that's, like, out of the ordinary. I, I really just think it's a Jared Carmichael thing. And on the women's side, I think it's Ariana DeBose that will probably get in because she just won an Oscar. Yeah. I mean, that's a tough one because you have how many guests, how many episodes of, of SNL, so... Yeah, well, that you, you yeah, really, that, you, you yeah. can't submit all of them. So, I mean, you can. Just, it's also just. tough because <laughs> the host, like, while obviously the host is a huge, it matters, of course, who the host is. It also matters what writers they had on that episode. So it always like kind of baffles me when a host wins when it's like, well, they pull out their best writers for that person. So it's it kind of mm. I always feel like that's a little bit a little bit fishy too. Yeah. Oh, they also submitted Will Forte. Like, Forte's episode was, like, I, I forgot he even hosted this year. And I love Forte. I just don't remember him as a standout. And neither did no. Emily. Neither. Ba- and Emily Bates on her face right now. All, like, wait, was that, like, wait, what? What was, what was the COVID episode? Who? who Paul, Paul Rudd. Oh, yeah. By the way, the highest, the highest rated episode of the season well, because everyone was tuning in to see how they're going to handle it. Yeah. Because um, that, that was an interesting, awkward episode. Yeah. Uh, Kieran Culkin also got submitted. So I wonder if that's going to get, you know, a succession dragon kind of thing. Because, by the way, Kieran Culkin, just talk about supporting actor for a minute. I'm getting serious Jonathan Banks vibes at the moment. Uh, Jonathan Banks last time Better Call Saul when he was supposed to win and he missed <laughs> like him and Bob were going to win that season and then they both got snubbed I had this feeling like some like one or two succession boys are going to miss and it's going to be big ones that we expected to be safe and I've been looking at Kieran Culkin and maybe even Brian Cox wow oh. that would be crazy a lead actor drama is like really competitive that like that. I mean, listen. I I think anyone, if you're looking at uh, the charts as they're updated, I think anyone one through nine is a possibility, and that like that could mean Lee Jung Jae could be a possibility to miss. You know, Josh Brolin's Actors on Actors has made him an icon <laughs> in our society. <laughs> like like for that alone. Can he submit that for guests next year? Can that be like guest something? Can we get an Can we get an Emmy for that? I mean, I saw that the tourists won at Monte Carlo, which was wild. But there are there Jamie Dornan fans out there that he could like sneak in somehow. It got picked up for it. It got quietly picked up for season two. I know, and there's been like a weird amount of chatter about it. So I don't know. A show like that always surprises me, but I guess you don't, I don't know. And like for Jamie Dornan, I mean, I don't think the show will get nominated, but I feel like Jamie is really good and he has a certain draw. Yeah. Uh, And and lead actor limited, uh, obviously that's still like, I mean, we're going to get six, which was helped by the women because the women crossed the threshold this year. The men did not. And they have parody this year. Uh, Rules are, confusing but uh i think i uh, i'm starting to feel a little more heat for station 11 to make mike schneider happy i feel like station 11 is gonna p- 
pop up somewhere major, and I don't know where it is yet. And it is interesting that I do feel like more people are talking about it, but I don't know if that's just because I've been talking about it more. <laughs> and I, I sense that. I, I, I'm looking at. Uh, I think. I think Ham, Hamish Patel could like make a surprise entry. I think it's possible. And I, I, I mean, it would be a very inspired choice, and I think it would be a good choice for them to make. And then uh, Yellow Jackets, oh God, I just have to say, I have to say it because I have to do my duty. If you're not writing Christina Ricci's name down, then don't vote. Just don't vote. <laughs> you're not allowed to vote. I second that. Not allowed. Yeah, we're all co-signing that. One of the more unusual categories every year is the commercial category. And I love that one of the uh, nominations is the, uh, the, the Apple TV Plus spot, uh, Everyone But John Hamm. Starring John Hamm, oh, so John Hamm could that, that that could potentially be another. I don't think he actually gets an Emmy if that thing wins, but oh really? Unless he's a listed producer? as a producer, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's it's sort of a fascinating category of of all sorts of weird ads. Um, but but I'm rooting for John. We'll see how that goes. Oh, one other thing I wanted to mention. Going back to the voiceover, real quick, I uh, didn't mention Jason Manzukas. Submitted, of course, for playing Tommy Lee's thing in a jig. I would just and love that to get nominated I just am. because of that. That not only needs to get nominated, but honestly, it needs to win. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like, it's the most true statement of all time. It, it's, it's, you want them to be that cool. Also, I want, I, I wonder, like, Pam and Tommy, by the way, submitted four directors, which I thought, was a mistake too. Like I think Pam and Tommy, I, I, that's one of the shows. I feel like you could tell me you got zero nominations. I wouldn't be surprised, but you told me you got like 20. I also wouldn't be surprised. So it's, it's one of those like weird, uh, runarounds, but I do want to, uh, cause, uh, the piece is out, uh, the race to 160 nominations. Ooh. 160 is the, is the record that Netflix set. The most nominations for a, a network ever at the Emmys. And people want it. They want it bad. And I think Hulu, Netflix, um, and HBO, especially HBO, could clear it out this year. Isn't that Mike's poll this week? Like, who's going to get the most nominations? HBO, HBO Max, Netflix. Yeah, I mean, I think if you combined... HBO and HBO Max. It's got to be HBO, HBO Max, right there, don't you think? I mean, yeah, especially if you combine them. <laughs> but we don't know how that like go. I mean, yeah. Uh, and then how many like series are going to make? Like, if Netflix gets any three in drama, it'll be the first time that uh, network has done it three times, like in such a short amount of time. You know, because they have Squid Game, Ozark, Stranger Things, Bridgerton. Um, NBC has like a record of getting five in comedy series in like 1987, which I, I think we're long past those days of people getting five. Yeah, yeah. There's just too too many shows, too many networks. And then Succession uh, would uh, look to make history if they gets if it gets all its actors nominated. It would tie Netflix's uh, When They See Us with the most acting noms for a series ever. <laughs> Emily is not happy about this. <laughs> I just, it, 
No, I'm not unhappy. Oh, of yeah. course I'm not ha- unhappy. I mean, I'm always happy for success. I just, it just always like baffles me when one show dominates like that. And props to the last minute pushes from Amazon with their Miss Maisel. Might, might you mention that in your write up this week? Like the Miss Maisel installation. Did you go to that by any chance? No, I think it was too far away, but I also don't remember getting an invite. I wrote about it, but I don't think I got an invite. Amazon. Well, Mike, I also saw that you wrote about Gaslit doing an extra push. Oh, yeah. They're Did putting, you write this uh, story? Yes. Yeah, the, uh, the episodes on the NBC stations. So, oh. like, uh, Which is but, interesting. Yeah, especially because they'll have to edit it down. They'll have to take out some of the TVMA content. But it will be commercial-free. But if you happen to be flipping the channels this weekend and passing by your local NBC station, they may be airing Gaslit <laughs> between episodes of, the, of, of you know, your, your new local newscast and a USFL playoff game, which <laughs> exists. Did you know the USFL is back, apparently? No. <laughs> yes. Nope. Not, a, not, not one bit. I knew the XFL was coming back, and I realized that also the USFL was coming back, too. Um, Wait, oh, question about Gaslit, Mike. It, is like, I can't tell if that's noisy on purpose or noisy, like, in an Emmy context. Like, is Julie Roberts going to get in? Like, is that, should I accept that as a... As That's a, hard to say, right? Because she is Julia I Roberts. I literally sent that text to one of my friends yesterday. <laughs> like, is this a thing? Somebody said they voted for her. I, I will say, I watched Gaslit. I enjoyed it. But again, I think I'm, because I love Julia Roberts, I feel like I would just like anything she does. I don't think, I don't know if it's like, people are going to watch, people clearly aren't watching it and being like, oh my gosh. I know one person who voted for her. I can confirm there is one vote. Oh. <laughs> but it's like you said, Clint, like there's just so much noise. Like any, you go to one Emmy event, you speak to voters, you're like, so what's on your radar? It's not the same at the next one. And you're just like, I cannot make head or tail of this. And talking about last minute push, another thing that Clayton will love is the real world drag race crossover that happened on Thursday night was the wildest Emmy campaign I'm thing. S- I'm sorry, what? So why, why didn't I get an invite to this? VH1, <laughs> MTV, uh, they had the five queens, five, five, five finalists from RuPaul's Drag Race and Melissa and Danny from The Real World help uh, MC this event at Rocco's down in West Hollywood. And it was... The craziest crossover, but I don't know if that if that pushed the real world into unstructured reality. That could have been the moment. I'm, I, I am going. I am going to riot if Real World doesn't get in this year. Like, well, riot. Yeah, Clay, Clay, Clayton and epic. Emily have been at the forefront of pushing that. So I think you should both take it as a personal. We, offense. we, we, we are going to. Yeah, I do, if, and we're going to resign if it's not nominated. So <laughs> this can go sideways really fast. Like, yeah, I mean, there, there's there's some really, listen, we're in the last five days. I think there's this consensus out there that feels, because we're recording this right now on, I don't know what today is, Wednesday. Um, and there is, it, yeah, um, there's a consensus that feels that by this point, there's nothing else to really move the needle. The Like, people have their minds made up and things are, are just going to happen. So I guess it's about how many people are actually going to vote and 
what are they like what what got their intention for that first week and after that then you just kind of let the chips fall where they may but july 12th is going to be a very interesting uh morning and why is there such a large like is it two and a half weeks and three weeks to count ballots like why is there such a a long pause michael uh, well, part of it's the holiday. It's uh, you know the July Fourth holiday, so a lot of people are out. And, and oh, they so don't think- care about Labor Day because Labor Day is during <laughs> Creative Arts, so it yeah. be a holiday excuse. Um, and and I think they 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 must be counting by hand. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Here's another. Imagine check they're mark like for sitting hacks. at a table. Like, <laughs> just, they have a a, check, a chalkboard. They're yep. just like yeah. marking off. Yeah, only 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 the TV Academy would do stuff electronically and then print everything out and then count it by right. hand. Does that say anatomy of a scandal or a very British scandal? <laughs> they just wrote scandal. What is that? And then they take an hour. To or Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> or Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> Forgot that. Uh, that could be the L- other one. L- Ellen Pompeo submitted lead actress drama. Just saying. What's the last time Grey's her. Anatomy got in? Like, or did it ever get in? It got in yeah, early it got on. In. Early it on. did, yeah, early on. It's won some Emmys what, back 30, in the day. 30, 34 years ago? Because we're on season 35 now, right? This is like a thing yeah. that people are just yeah. sticking it, with. It, it, was the season, it was a season starring Lucille Ball. I don't know if you remember. <laughs> she, she was the original star of uh, Grey's Anatomy. First of all, Lucille Ball on Grey's Anatomy would be perfection. Can you imagine? <laughs> Can, can you imagine a, a dying episode? Because we would have to kill her off. Because that death scene <laughs> yeah. would be incredible. Ah, oh, such good times. Well, well, with with AI and and all sorts of special effects, maybe that's the future. Oh, that was not permission, ABC. <laughs> no, that no. no, no, wasn't permission. Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, don't don't give them bad ideas. Don't uh, touch Mike. Lucy. <laughs> yeah. Hey, um, let's talk about the music, the song category, real quick, because that's always fun, and I always hope that the dirtiest songs get nominated. So, I, I know I know we want two shots, but also. Um, BPE from uh, Girls 5 Eva, which I will not even say the real title. (laughs) 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 But I think that would be great to get in. Yeah. Um, There's a a submission from Jimmy Kimmel Live, actually, that just I just wanted to to get in because I want to hear someone say that the song is Yum Yum Nom Nom Toot Toot Poop. (laughs) And I just want someone at the ceremony to have to say that. Yeah. So... Really, it's just all about wanting to hear people say, say things poop. like, yeah. Especially if it's like Helen Mirren or someone very classy. Right. Right. <laughs> Is there a reason why they haven't performed the original songs on the Emmy telecast? Um, I don't like, I don't, I think maybe just time. There isn't enough time to perform all of them. But I mean, I just think of Agatha all along last, that's oh, like, what would that have yeah. looked like there? Yeah. Like, Everyone would have loved it. No, that would have been great. And 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 this year, if Two Shot gets nominated, I would love to see that. Or Girls Five Eva. I mean, honestly, as we know, those stars can actually sing. So I want to see them on stage performing their song if it's nominated. Listen, Zendaya has a song. Yeah, well, that goes without saying. Yeah, it'd be great to. I mean, hell, Zendaya should be hosting. I mean, this girl is going to be. She like when I say the records that I think she's about to break. I mean, if it gets in for a drama series, which it's like on the bubble, I think she's going to be the youngest executive producer ever nominated in like history. 
if she get and she gets like three nom I think if she has two nominations, she's like the youngest double nominee ever. And then she might actually get three because she'll have like original like what a like God, give us a chance. Like I'm I'm such a failure. <laughs> I'm twenty I'm twenty four too, right? We're twenty four. <laughs> we could do it, guys. Uh yeah, sure we can. <laughs> I mean, when you actually when you look at the going back to the songs real quick, when you look at some of the uh, the performers who are nominated, I mean, uh, Lin Manuel Miranda, um, Troy Sivan, Bare Naked Ladies, uh, Wilco, uh, we mentioned Zendaya, Cheryl Crow, um, RuPaul, Jennifer Nettles, Tim Robinson. I think you should leave. Yeah. <laughs> Dangerous Knife is incredible. <laughs> Miranda Lambert, uh, Keith Urban. I mean, there's Mary J. Blige. Yeah. Mick Mary- Jagger. Yeah. Ezra Koenig. Yeah. Chris Redd. Just- oh, wait, what's... Oh, now I'm up. That's the song they did from SNL. The Willem Dafoe episode. Lil Dicky. No, oh, Lil Dicky <laughs> is my... That's energy for life. I love I love the man. Oh, and Bridget Everett for somebody somewhere. You're going to get your Bridget Everett nomination, maybe. By the way, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm still standing by what I said last week. I think that's a better things surprise waiting to happen. I feel like she's going to... We, we don't see it coming. I'm actually really stupid that I have her like so low on the rank. I think she's going to get in. And we're all going to be like, oh... How you feeling about Reservation Dogs? Because I feel like that was for sure going to be the what we do in the shadows this year, and then it kind of fell off a bit. Maybe it's come back a little bit, but but that's a real question mark. I feel good that writing is going to happen for it. I can't find a spot for it much else, much anywhere else. But Taika Waititi has so many things in the running. I mean, he has like seven submissions overall like across multiple shows and maybe that just helps it, but it, it feels so long. Ago. I mean, listen, I think squid game has a, it feels so long ago problem. Yeah. Like at the moment, by the way, squid game submitted the pilot for directing and not episode six, which is like the one, you know, and there's something to be said about pilots like doing well, but like, and so, and you can make the argument that sometimes submissions don't even matter. Like they just do it do what they want to do. But I always go back to Robin Wright in House of Cards, that season that she submitted herself on the stairs. <laughs> it was the, oh my wor- gosh, yes. the worst mistake I've ever seen in maybe Emmy history of a submission. And I think it, I think it, it sealed the deal that she was losing. I forgot who she lost to that year. It might've been to Elizabeth Moss or something, but yeah. Um, yeah. I, 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 Reservation Dogs has, there's definitely a pulse. I think it's about how far it actually goes. Because it's not going to get any acting nominations. That That's the thing. Like, is, is it just comedy series and writing? But I think I think writing feels good. Well, I hope you guys all stand by your uh, picks last week because I put them all in my column in next week's magazine. So... <laughs> You can't do that, man. <laughs> you're, you're now well. You've already been immortalized uh, uh, vocally on this podcast. Now it's also in print, so you can't run away. But I think you all stand by your picks. Jazz was Girls Five Eva forever. Emily was Doctor Death. Clayton was After Party. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I think those are good to stand by. So again, as you're marking those final ballots, think of us and go forth. Don't screw it up. Make us proud. 
Make us happy on July 12th. And we'll be back after the holiday for more uh, Roundtable magic. Thanks, everyone. After the break, Shining Veil star Courtney Cox. From Los Angeles, this is the Award Circuit Podcast. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And we're back. It's the Variety Award Circuit Podcast. I'm Michael Schneider. Courtney Cox has done a bit of everything. She danced in a famous music video with Bruce Springsteen, produced a game show, starred in one of the most famous sitcoms of all time, and even survived a dozen fights with Ghostface. Now she's the star of Shining Veil, which also has dark tones throughout as both a half-hour comedy and a psychological thriller. In fact, creators Jeff Astroff and Sharon Horgan described it to Cox as a comedy version of The Shining, a description that really piqued Cox's interest. In Shining Veil, Cox's character, Pat, gets caught cheating on her husband, played by Greg Kinnear. The duo moves their family to the big city to try to save their marriage, As she goes through life changes, battles addiction and mental health issues, she also realizes the house is haunted, but she's the only one who can see the ghost who appears as Mira Sorvino. Remember the woman that I saw when we first moved in? The woman outside the window or the woman in the family room? That's the same woman. Oh. Anyway, I don't know if she's a ghost. But she keeps popping up in my dreams. And well, it's last probably a stress I... dream. I used to have these fantastic dreams. I know, I know. Dreams. Back in business school, and you forgot to save for your accounting final. It was international finance. Accounting was Okay, based. well, in my dream, she burned me with a cigarette. Oh, Pat, and look. come on. Oh, my God. Wow. Does it hurt if I did that? Ow! I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let me see. Look at that. It's... Uh, what is wrong with you? Sorry. It's probably a burn. I just told you it was a burn. Yeah, but I don't believe you dreamed that onto your arm. I... I think that you were cooking bacon and maybe some grease splattered. When was the last time I made bacon? When was the last time a ghost burned you with a cigarette? It seems so real. Well, I just read that moving is the second biggest cause of stress dreams, so... What's number one? Myrtle strife, I think. Of course, when you're interviewing Courtney Cox, it's hard not to bring up friends. But she's had plenty of success since then, including the hit sitcom Cougar Town. And Cox is still in a great place in her career, with Shining Veil being renewed for a second season. Cox calls this role one of the most challenging she's ever taken on. Variety's Emily Longaretta recently sat down with Courtney Cox to talk about Shining Veil and what the future is for Cox in the Scream franchise. Cox also shares what she's pulling for at this year's Emmys, including The White Lotus and The Staircase, as well as The Morning Show and her former friend's co-star and real-life best friend Jennifer Aniston. As they began chatting, Emily was congratulating Cox on a season two and asked whether she felt confident for a while that the show would return. You know, it felt right. It just felt like something that worked. And and I've thought that before. And usually I've been pretty right. Like, I mean, obviously I'm friends. I know by the end of 
doing the pilot, I just took a chance and bought a car. I was like, I know this is going to go, but you know, this time I just, I think the chemistry of the cast and the subject matter and the fact that it was not groundbreaking genre. It's nothing. I mean, I've obviously done comedies and horrors that been joined together, but in the way this is done, I thought it was really original and I had high hopes for it. So yes, but it's, it's very exciting. I would say this is my, the most challenging, the most, um, I don't want to say fun, but the most it pushes me and I enjoy it. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I want to talk a little about the genre and kind of dive into that because I mean, Scream is obviously a combination of horror and comedy and this was creepier than I thought it was going to be when I started it. I was like, oh, it'll be a comedy. And I was like, oh, I'm scared. I don't want to watch this at night. So I'm curious what it is about this genre that you are just so drawn to. Well, I think it's the psychological part of it. I mean, I've always been a fan of those movies that, you know, Rosemary's Baby, The Shining, where you just don't know really it's so psychological and the characters have such transformations and and the fact that this has that dry wit, which I really love. I mean, I know Greg's character is much more optimistic and he's incredible on the part. My character is just drier and it's it's something that I relate to. I like, enjoy her sarcasm. But yeah, I, you know, I didn't realize it was going to be as creepy as it was too. When I opened those curtains and I saw Mira Servino and the way she looked and she envelops this character, like nobody could possibly do, I think. Um, It was creepy. And the way it was filmed was, it's just unique. All of the angles, there's always like someone you think could be watching the way they film it. And I enjoyed it. Also, we found this house in Pasadena and I'm telling you, this place was as creepy as you can possibly imagine. And then we rebuilt it, did it on on the Warner Brothers lot just to make it all contained. And they did such a good job at recreating it. And that's how scary the house was. The way it looked on, that's for real. That's the true wow. house. <laughs> that's so crazy. I want to go back to, obviously, this cast is so great. And you guys ha- seem to have such great chemistry. And for anything I've seen with you guys together, it seems like you guys are kind of like a family already, which is as you know, very rare in this industry. So did you have that chemistry right away? Did you know them beforehand? Like, how did you guys do that? I had never met any of them. Uh, Greg had been on Friends, but something happened. I can't remember the story, but something happened with one of his children. Maybe one was being born or something. So he wasn't there on the audience night. They had to do all of his taping on a Thursday and I didn't have any scenes with him. So I never met him on Friends. I'd heard about him through Lisa Kudrow who had worked with him and, and she said he was fantastic. And of course I knew his work. I didn't know any of the other characters. I knew, you know, Mira through Lisa, but yeah. only from talking to her. So it's strange. I didn't know. And, and of course, Gus and, and Dylan are just, they're fantastic. It's, it's really, I mean, I would say everybody, even the townspeople are perfect. I think every, they just did a great job at putting together a cast that just works. And yes, they do. You know, I've got a teenage daughter and working with Gus, you know, maybe Coco's not quite as, you know, uh, brutal to me, but that attitude of kids trying to push away from their parents and, and, you know, become independent and get bugged by parents (laughs) is, is very real. And it happens around me all the time. How did you tap into her? How did you kind of find those parallels? I know as an actor, obviously, that's something you do with any role, but how were the similarities there? Well, I would say having a teenager for sure, it was a big one. You know, this character has is going through so many changes in which I love. And um, 
you know, I can tap into the menopause. I can tap into, you know, marital strife, uh, having times in your life where your career is not going, you know, she's having a writer's block. Let me think. I mean, I can tell you other things I love about the character, but those are the ones that I think stand out. Um, ones that parallel my life the most, I would say. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I want to, I mean, and we're going to get into a little bit about like what, what inspires you and what kind of stuff you're watching, but I, I'm curious at this point, I mean, you've been doing this for two decades now. What, what is it that draws you to a show that draws you to a script? I'd imagine you, you've read quite a bit that you've passed on. So what is it? Is it the subject matter? Is it the people? Is it the right timing? I mean, I'm sure it's a little of everything, but well, yeah, it is, a, it is a little of everything. First of all, when I just knowing that Jeff Astroff and Sharon Horgan were the creators of the show, Jeff, I'd worked with on Friends. I know how talented he is and how funny he is. And, and just knowing him as a person, he's such a caring, heartfelt, dedicated person and writer. And then Sharon Horgan, I was a fan of her acting, her writing. She's just class. She really is in all ways. So that really drew me to it. And the fact that Sharon wanted to do a comedy, shining as a comedy. I mean, that's just something you don't ever think of. And she actually coined this phrase that she wanted to be like a, a shitcom, is what she would say. <laughs> but so that that was a big draw for me. I read the script and thought, I haven't read anything like this. It drew me in. The fact that it was a half hour, I just, it was nonstop, go, go, go. And then, of course, the character. I mean, everything that the character is going through involves change. So, you know, she has an affair. She's going through all these marital problems. She moves from, she's moving to another city to start a new life. She's moving house, which is a big deal. She's got the teenagers, like I said, one's pushing her away. The other one's going through puberty. She's dealing with mental health issues, which turn out to be, you know, She's being projected on, but then it actually happens and she's possessed. Let me think what else. I mean, there's so many things that she's going through addiction, career, being stuck in her career. Yeah, I mean, that's a ton of stuff. I would assume that when you read it, that's a layered character. Yeah, Yeah, that is so, it's not just, you know, on the page. I mean, people, it's easy to, we see characters every day on TV that we like or that we can relate to, but may, might not have all of those layers that are so, you know, exciting, I would assume, as an actor to play. So exciting. It's been so much. And then it, like I said, it's challenging, but I'm so passionate about it. I mean, I really delved into this character in ways that I haven't, haven't you know, I just, I wanted to be really prepared and take all of it so seriously. I didn't want to phone it in in any way, even though there's certain things in your life, you're like, oh, okay. This is what I do. No, this is not what I do. This is actually, it meant the world to me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, well, let's talk about what, what other shows you watch and what, what inspires you on a regular basis, whether it's, we can start with older shows. If that's if something you watch reruns or anything like that, what is it that you, you know, gets you excited? Like, what am I like right now? Yeah, what I'm you really right now? enjoying the staircase. Yeah. I mean, Colin Firth has gotten that character down. I'm just enthralled with it. Mm-hmm. I loved the documentary series, yeah. but can't believe how he's in and, you know, has his own twist on it, but it's how he's enveloped that character. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved White Lotus. Mm-hmm. So um, good. I guess I do like dark things. Yeah. Like, I'm attracted <laughs> to, you know, I do love true crime, but then when you get to see things like White Lotus, that character, as what's his name? Murray. Murray Bartlett. Bartlett. Oh, he's so good. So I mean, good. obviously everyone on that show was great, but, um, those are, I would say, my two favorite 
series that I saw. Do you, do you keep up with true crime stuff? Like, do you watch documentaries and things like that? And like, if there's a big story on the news, are you watching that? Do you like that stuff? I'm obsessed with that stuff. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, true crime, whenever there's a new one out, I started with the jinx years ago. Yeah. That's when I went, what? I think I watched the ending five times just for character study. I can't believe what you can learn by watching people. I mean, how to make a murder. I, don't, I still can't imagine that guy is guilty because he's such a good actor. I mean, there's no way that anybody could act that well and still and be guilty. So I don't know. I guess I like all of them. I mean, you you name it. I yeah. watch. Yeah, you should definitely check out The Girl from Plainville. That's another one that's true crime that's incredible. I don't think I've... Oh, what's it about? Um, it's about the very upsetting case, Michelle Carter texting her boyfriend and kind of convincing him to commit suicide. It's very, very devastating. And I love it. I've seen it and I love it. Yes. Yeah. It, I, it uh, Names escape me, but it, as soon as you tell me what it's about, yeah. I'm, I know. Yeah. I've seen it and I love it. Oh, <laughs> I, I wish you're writing down. You're like, what do I need? Yeah. <laughs> I wish I could remember the names because I could go back and forth with you and you've probably seen all the ones, but yeah, um, I mean, there's so many great ones. I'm curious when you watch a show as, as an actor, I mean, I think anyone who, any career, you kind of look at things through a different lens as a journalist. If I'm reading another journalist story, I'm thinking of it in a different way than just reading the story. So I assume for you, when you're watching a show, are you watching it for your enjoyment? Are you watching it being like, I want to get inspired as an artist. I want to, you know, kind of take something on from this actor. How is that? How is viewing TV for you? That's interesting. I watch it for so many reasons. I'll, I will really get stuck on a shot because I I love directing. And mm-hmm. so sometimes I rewind and just because I want to see the way they did that or, or did I feel it was gratuitous or was it, did it enhance the story? And then as far as watching actors, yeah, I loved watching people's subtlety and how they portray in a way that's not in your face. I, yeah, I think I do get lost for sure, but I, I kind of suffer from acute awareness. I just notice everything. Yeah. So I'm watching it for all reasons, but when I get lost, then I'm, I'm, I know I'm watching something incredible. Yeah. Are there any old shows that you watch like reruns of that you put on to just make you happy? Mm, that's a good question. Um, not that I can think of offhand. I mean, yes, I think Seinfeld is a great show. I think Cheers, there's no question that makes me laugh. I mean, I even, I don't watch Friends, but it's on all the time. So when I see it, I don't remember any of the episodes that I can go, I'll really get surprised by how funny or, or just, oh my God, I don't remember that person being on the show. That was great. <laughs> but yeah, I think that, you know, I love the old shows like the Honeymooners or there's a lot of shows that especially comedies. I don't think I watch dramas because yeah. I probably remember them too well, but humor, <laughs> if it's good, can last for, you know, it's timeless. Yeah. I mean, it's so funny. We've been talking a lot about this in, in our office, actually in our newsroom about comedies on broadcast and cable and the almost this half hour comedy coming back to around because people, you know, like we say, history repeats itself. We always see things come back around. What do you think it is about a half hour comedy that just works, that works so, you know, so elegantly? I'm starting to think that everything works well. It's a half hour. I mean, it's just, I think, especially in this day and age, when things are compact, compact, you know, put together in a short amount of time, it helps with all of our attention spans, considering there's, you know, everything, social media, everything is just so quick that we're almost used to that. But I think half hour comedies, 
I don't think doing audience comedies, I think that's a much tougher thing to live up to. Yeah. But doing half hour filmed comedies are just, they're, they're my favorite. I love those. Shining Veil is kind of a combination. And that's yeah. why I really like that. Just, uh, and like I said, none of this, all of these serious subjects aren't taken, they're not taken too seriously. They're told through the element of comedy and of, of you know, psychological thriller. It's, think of horror more as screams, the slasher movies, but it's not. It's, I guess it's more psychological, yeah. but it's yet I scream. I mean, it scares me. <laughs> Do you get scared easily? In life? Absolutely. Everything scares me. Me too. Well, I do. I do want to ask about Scream before we wrap because I have to. When I listened to you on a podcast after the movie wrapped, that you said you were like scared after filming that last one, like made you like more like look over your shoulder. Like, is that something that after you film a movie like that, you're like, oh, I think I'm like absolutely. I want after I film any Scream. Yes, anybody can be under that mask. So I do think there's a lot of crazy people in the world and it does, I just never know which. So, but like I said, I'm scared of everything. It doesn't matter if my dog is, you know, I have two that will be barking at something in the corner. Now I know it's not, you know, some killer, but it could be a bird. They might've like somehow gotten a hold of, I don't know, but I'm not the person to go get the bird. I'm just not going to save anything. Um, But I did see a movie the other day that, Oh, I know what I was watching. Hold on. What was I watching? That it's not this the staircase because that that's I mean I've seen that. But anyway, I watched a movie. It's an English movie called Bull, mm. and it was gruesome. But the acting was incredible. The directing was incredible, and it really kind of it scared me just because it was so realistic. And um, yeah, I love it. I do. I love to be scared though. That's a weird emotion to really want. I love to scream and yet, and I love to cry and mm-hmm. I love to laugh and you get to be able to put, oh, that's another thing. I love that I get to deal with these real emotional subjects, you know, even Pat and Terry having the, the issues that they have. It's funny because, you know, he goes over to the handyman's house and brings back the, the espresso machine. But then they, and that's a funny thing. And then all of a sudden they're dealing with real emotional issues and regret and all of it. So I think that's another thing I love about the show that I could be crying about my teenager and just trying to do the best I can or my work. And then next thing you know, we're laughing over something silly. Which I mean is, is real life. Like that's what happens. Yeah. I think that's what they've done a great job. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really explaining that. Um, So are we going to see you? I think you've said this. We're going to see you in the next screen. Yes. I did not die. So yes, you will see me. <laughs> she's never, she'll never die. Let's be I don't know. Gail's pretty, she's got, she's got some, she's pretty strong. So yeah, she may not, she may not ever, who knows though. You never know in that world. Kevin Williamson is unstoppable. And so are, so are the new, the new team behind it. So yeah. I, it's incredible. Um, So we like to wrap all our podcasts with these six silly questions. Some we may have already answered, but I'm going to ask you first. First is, Hopefully I didn't ask you this. The question people ask you the most. Hmm. The question people ask me the most. God, throughout stages of my life, I could have told you, what's Springsteen really like? What's Michael J. Fox really like? What's, you know, <laughs> but now what is it? I should have asked both of those questions. <laughs> <laughs> what would be the one now? Uh, probably something about Instagram, like, I guess what, I mean, did you really play the piano with Elton John? Were you nervous or something? That's what I'm getting more right now. Which 
amazing, by the way. Thing I got to do. I'm so excited. <laughs> As you should be. That's awesome. What's a TV show in history that you wish you could have been part of? Gosh, this these are good. Um, oh my gosh, what's a TV show in history? I mean, I can think of silly ones, but I mean, shoot. Okay, can we can we go back to that one? Go back to that one. Yeah. Do you have a guilty pleasure TV show? I know we've talked a little about this, but if there's any, like maybe a reality show or something silly that you just, as a guilty pleasure. I mean, right now, my guilty pleasure would be watching the trial of Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. That's pretty guilty. Yeah, I get that for sure. What hobby, and you do a lot of this, but what hobby would you be doing if you didn't have your day job? Or maybe you wish you had the time to do. I do a lot of hobbies. I like to play tennis. I like to play the piano. I like to cook. I travel a lot. Um, and I don't mean to other, I just actually go back and forth to London, but it's, it is, you know, it's a lot of, I do that a lot. Yeah. It's amazing. That's nice that you have, you have the opportunity. Oh, and design. I'm, I'm obsessed with design. Yeah. And I have another hobby. I have a company called home court, which is something that I'm very passionate about. I know I want one of those candles. Yeah. You need some candles and some <laughs> We have a lot of products, hand wash, hand soap, I mean, uh, hand cream, counter spray, dish soap, you name it. You obviously have taken on, we know, we know if you follow you on Instagram that you've taken on some cooking. What is the one food, one dish that you can cook very well that you're proud of? Well, the easiest one, well, I would say chicken Parmesan. I'm pretty good at, I'm pretty good at a bolognese and a baked chicken. It's just like a no brainer for me. I make, I think the, probably the best baked chicken. It's the timing. It's all about the leaks and it's about making sure you don't overcook, but put the leaks in the right time. So it's, it's a little, it's very specific and then I can blow it by just three minutes. Oh. But when, when it's right, it's really good. All right. I just moved into a place alone. I'm going to need to learn. I'm going to oh, need it's to on my, it's on my Instagram. So okay, I'm going to have to learn. Yeah. Yeah, sure. yeah. Um, and then besides your own show, what is one show you're rooting for this Emmy season? I know you've named a few. Hmm. I mean, obviously my friend, Jennifer, I always, you know, I always, she wins a lot and I always want her to win because I think she's incredible, but I'm going to say, uh, I'll have to say the white Lotus. I was really, I, I binge watched that with my partner and we just couldn't stop. So whenever I, and I'm not a binger to me, I just got to stick and move and watch something. And I, I don't know what causes me, maybe it's my ADD, but I need to get up. I can't just watch. I, I can do it with certain documentary series. Actually, I can do that. And I hate when they're over. But as far as dramas, I would say the White Lotus had my attention straight for, I don't know if it was six episodes or eight or whatever it was. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. We got to go back to the other, a TV show. Okay. So, all right. What would, okay. Ask me the question one more time. What is the TV show in history that you wish you could have been a part of? I don't even know why I'm saying this and it's not even what I think, but it just keeps coming in my head. MASH. That's a great one. That's such a great show. It was a great show, but why am I saying that? I don't even know why, but it keeps coming out. So I'm gonna, I mean, up. So I'm gonna say it. I mean, a lot of people say friends, so it's nice to answer that's very different, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. It's amazing. Courtney, thank you so much. I really appreciate you chatting today. Congratulations again. I can't wait for season two. Thank you so much. That's Shiny Vale star Courtney Cox. Catch up on the series via Stars on Demand or the Stars app.
And that's it for this edition of Variety's Award Circuit Podcast. Drew Griffith edited this episode and Michael Schneider is the producer. Be sure to subscribe to the Award Circuit Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you download podcasts. Also, head on over to Variety.com and click on the Award Circuit tab to find the latest Emmy predictions and key races, as well as your daily fix of news, analysis, and reviews. For Jazz Tanke, Emily Longaretta, and Clayton Davis, I'm Michael Schneider, and we'll see you on the circuit. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.